Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, it's Monday, and you've tuned in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast, which means your day is about to get better. That's right. It's yep. going to be, you're starting off the day well. Let us commend you for this. Well done. Good and faithful listener. That's right. Yeah. You get five po- points. You get five points and half a gold star. Redeemable to Pastor Rod for a Texas Twinkie at uh, Hutchins Barbecue if you come up with 5,000 points. So if you listen to a thousand Only episodes. Only 5,000? No, I, I don't know, man. This is, Texas Twinkies are worth far more than that. Okay. They're so good. By the way, I did finish our 19... 19- Twinkies that we had. Did you? It took us until, let's see, we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think Thursday we finished them. Man, I'm proud of you. That's good restraint. And you know what? Honestly, I was surprised at how well they held up. Yeah. The lesson and the takeaway for me is next year, I'm going to get far more. Yikes. And ensure that Amir and Steven have no chance of laying their fingers on a Twinkie by the time they show up after work. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we love people here at Compass Bible Church. Well, they'll have to come to my place if they want some, and I might let them have half a Twinkie. You might. <laughs> you might. Invite them over for some Twinkies and then give them like the real Twinkie. The re- like, <laughs> hostess, the yellow the cake and the yeah, spongy cake stuff. Yeah. Dude, I, no, no doubt though, I love these zingers. The hostess zingers. Oh, so good. Yeah. I, they taste chemically and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite dessert foods. Those are good. I, I also like the like little Debbie snack cakes that look like Christmas trees. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are coming out soon. I know. That's, I'm, that's exciting. I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah. I have to bring them in the office. Yeah. Yeah. I heard you were talking smack about bluebell ice cream at youth group the other night. Though. <laughs> was, uh, okay. So here, here's the thing. Tillamook is truly just I, I heard that's best. not how you pronounce it though Tillamook <laughs> so I was trying to make the point I taste to see that the Lord is good if you want to know that something is good you can know intellectually that God is good but until you know experientially like it, it's not going to make sense it's not going to click and so I said you know I, I grew up the fancy ice cream in my home was Dryer's uh, Dryer's ice cream and <laughs> until I tried Tillamook things were like oh yeah this is clearly the best ice cream until i tried tillamook and my life was changed i suddenly saw the light and then people were like oh try bluebell it's so good it's so good it's so good so i finally we got to texas one of the first things we did before we even finished moving in we went to go get some bluebell and it was fine it's it's buttery i like yeah. that yeah uh, but i would still say tillamook's the best it's cheaper in tillamook too and, and there's uh, you could taste it i've been to the tillamook factory in oregon oh yeah i i'm slightly envious yep you get cheese curds there and you get oh, ice cream samples like you can go samples. just get can you free keep, samples can you keep going to get the samples i don't know you can buy ice cream there like you can get it in a cone no, i want, I want free samples as yeah. much as i can take in yeah the chocolate peanut butter ice cream from tillamook is number one on my books okay. I'll, i will grant that to you any of the flavors yeah, are they just put the ribbon of peanut butter through it exceptional it's just oh, yeah. it's it's amazing oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, hey, happy birthday to a couple of people today. Dennis Olsby. Speaking of ice cream. It's, it's his birthday. Hope yeah. you get to have some ice cream, Dennis. And some cake too, because uh, a candle and ice cream would be weird. I mean, ice cream cake. Doable, but weird. Ice cream cake. Tillamook probably doesn't make that. They don't. They wish they did though. Yeah. Maybe it's an off the menu item. <laughs> and Vic, Vicky Cooper. It's uh, your birthday as well. So happy birthday to both of you. Have some Tillamook ice cream if you yeah. want the best. Yeah. I, you know, I, I try to write birthday cards to as many people as I can in our church uh, and... Uh, 
one of the things that I often say in, in birthdays is, and I, I hope, I pray that today provides you a, a good number of opportunities to reflect on God's faithfulness to you over the last year. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that's a, mm-hmm. I can't remember who the first person to challenge me with that was, but just a cool thing to do on our birthdays is to think back over the year and go, okay, God, how have you been faithful to me this past year? Let me be thankful for those things and then pray for that for your, your next year too. So yeah. we're doing that for you, uh, Dennis and Vicki, and, and we just pray that you guys have an awesome birthday today. Amen. Yeah. Well, hey, let's jump into Jeremiah. Nine and 10. Happy birthday, guys. Now let's talk about all the wickedness that you probably possess, but have been <laughs> saved from. Thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah nine, man, things are not getting better. In fact, that's the point of verse three. They proceed from evil to evil and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone beware of his neighbor and put no trust in any brother. What a miserable existence that would be to live in such a, a culture that is so depraved that you just, you can't trust your neighbor at all. You're, you're looking side eyed at everybody because everybody is just revealing their depravity things are compounding going from worse to worse verse five they weary themselves committing iniquity they're, they're exhausted because they've been sinning so much heaping oppression upon oppression deceit upon deceit they refuse to know me declares the lord what's his conclusion verse nine should i not then punish them declares the lord should i not avenge myself on a nation such as this in other words again god is leaving through jeremiah's pen no doubt in anyone's mind why what's about to happen is going to happen and it's because of the sinfulness of the people the iniquity piles upon itself um, we, we just talked about it in first timothy chapter two yesterday we look we know where this world is headed we know where it's ultimately going we know that things are not going to get better this is not going to be a post-millennial situation where things are going to get great and we're going to see morals restored and the law is going to be reinstituted and people are going to be a godly nation and then Mm. god's going to come back and there's celebration and there's the kingdom that's not going to happen however that does not mean that god may not have in his plan another season of revival for our world for our nation um, as he has worked in the past in situations. I mean, if you go back to Corinth, think about the depravity in Corinth that existed. So much of the depravity we look at today was in its maybe a lesser form because it didn't have AI and in the digital side of things, but that depravity was still there in Corinth. A lot of it was. And yet there was a long period of time wherein that depravity was identified as such and and put off. So when we read things like this and we see, man, things are going from evil to evil, oppression upon oppression, wickedness upon wickedness, we can look around our world and say, man, we see a lot of that. One of our responses should be to do what Paul talked to Timothy about in First Timothy chapter two, and that is to pray for our rulers, to pray for God, to put men and, and, and uh, leaders in place who are going to help the church do the work of the church and potentially see a revival in this country. Yeah, I think the uh, one of the responses I, I really appreciate Jeremiah at the beginning of his of this chapter here. Uh, I was on X the other day, and I'm, I'm looking through some of the footage of the uh, social media company. Social media. <laughs> yes, I was not on ecstasy, bro. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. I'm sure well, our audience. I just gotta say, it's like to the pure, all things are pure, buddy. Remember that's true. that. Oh man, touche. Okay, touche. <laughs> so I'm on Twitter, <laughs> X, formerly known as Twitter, looking at some of the reports out of Israel and gaza and of course uh, i'm grieved i'm I'm hating this yeah i hate this yeah i think jeremiah gives us a paradigm for what our reactions can look like verse one oh that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that i might weep day and night you know you ever cried so much that you just feel like there's nothing left in there Mm. i'm I'm done Mm. Uh, jeremiah knows that pain he's he's reading all i mean he's preaching all of this but then he's preserving the content of God's judgment and it grieves him deeply. He knows it's on the horizon. He's going to talk about the Babylonian judgment in verses 10 
and 11. Uh, but he's, he's got compassion for his people. He feels deeply. I mean, they're his people. They're his kinsmen. On top of that, he's not only full of compassion, he's full of revulsion. Yep. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place that I might leave my people and go away from them in verse two. He doesn't want to be near them. You guys are full of evil. You're wicked. I can't believe this. And yet my heart breaks for you. Uh, that kind of tension, that kind of emotional complexity is something you should welcome. It's mm. not comfortable. It's not fun. But I think even as we look at our own nation, I don't have to go and look at the Gaza hashtag or the Israel hashtag just to have my heart broken. I could just look at the stuff that's happening in our own backyard yeah. and see what people are doing to kids and what's happening, what they're being taught and how people are being misled. And I think, man, what do I do with this, Lord? I think Jeremiah's response is instructive for us. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and, and Babylon is going to come in verse 10 and 11 and Jerusalem is going to be a ruins, um, a lair of jackals. Uh, Judah is going to be a, a place of, of desolation without an inhabitant. Verse 16, he, where are the people going to go? Well, he's going to scatter them among the nations whom they have neither neither they nor their fathers have known. Again, Deuteronomy 28, I, I've brought it up a few times. It's, it's the backdrop to so much of what's going on here now in Jeremiah as the the uh, the warning that God gave back then through Moses in the Mosaic Covenant um, is now being infringed upon here by the people of Israel and they're suffering the consequences. We'll talk about that tomorrow a little bit more in depth in the reading that we'll have then. But uh, notice how the chapter ends in, in verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might, the rich man in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight declares the lord that's that's the problem that's what was missing from israel they refused to trust in the lord they refused to put their confidence in the lord they wanted to boast in everything else and god's saying don't boast in these things you want to boast boast in the fact that you know me that i'm your god and that's what they weren't doing yeah and there's so many hazards for us to to avoid when we think about this you may not say well i'm not trusting in the temple like they they did in yesterday's reading i'm not trusting in my military alliances like like israel or uh, Judah is being as Judah is being accused of. But what are you tempted to trust? Maybe you're tempted to trust the right school for your kids. Mm. You put them in the right school with the right teachers in the right district. And hey, they got all these uh, fancy gadgets and they've got the, all these things. I mean, great. Give your kids a great education, but don't put your trust in the education. Right. Put your trust in the Lord. Right. Maybe your trust is in the kind of work you have. You know, you have this a certain amount of income that you're you're trusting. Okay, once I hit this number, then we're going to be secured and then we're going to be safe. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with these things, obviously. But the danger for us is to read something like this and say, well, that's not my problem. No, right. it is your problem. You, you're, yours and Israel's or Judah's uh, experience of life is very different. But the heart problems remain the same. Yep. Our tendency is to trust other things besides the Lord. Examine your life and see perhaps if there's things that you are trusting that are not him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how chapter 10 opens is the indictment that they're trusting in these idols. And and that's what God is saying. Learn not the way of the nations. Verse one, be not dismayed at the signs of the heavens because the nations are dismayed at them for the customs of the peoples are vanity. Uh, do not be afraid of them. Verse five, these idols of other nations, they're false gods. They cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. They're, they're just a, a hunk of wood sitting on the shelf. Don't put your trust in these things, Israel. Judah, don't put your trust in these things. Church, just like Pastor Rod was saying, don't put your trust in things that aren't God, that can't deliver you the things that we can't take with us the things that a hundred years from now aren't going to matter if we're putting all of our identity and our worth and our weight there then we're going to realize it's a spider's web we're leaning on a spider's web it's a house of cards that can't support us chapter 10 also includes though this interlude of praise where the prophet begins to worship god there's none like you in in contrast to these 
idols. There's none like God. There's none whose name is great like his. He is the one that we should fear. Uh, th- that's his due, he says in verse 7. Amongst all the wise of the nations and in all their kingdoms, no one is like you. Uh, the Lord, verse 10, is the true God, the living God, the everlasting king. So again, the contrast between who God is and who the, the the people were tempted to worship in the idols of the nations, he's he's calling them to realize the, the vanity and the foolishness of their acts. And yet another reason why you need to be in your Bible every day, why you need to study your Bible and not be content with their present uh, present uh, accomplishments in your word. You might have read the Bible every every year, right. but notice here, Jeremiah continues to call them back to the word. Yeah. He, he references the word, the covenant in particular, and yeah. how they've broken it. But he calls them back to know their God. And how do they know their God? They're going to know it through the word. They're going to know it through the preaching and teaching of the, uh, of the, of the word of God itself. And Christian, man, we have... We have we have the Bible. We have the Bible. I yeah. love this. Yeah, read, read your Bible. Yeah, that's my point. Hundred percent. Yeah, it, it, chapter ten, verse nineteen. Real quick, I want to point out this section here. Uh, who's talking here? Woe is me because of my hurt. My wound is grievous. My tent is destroyed. It seems is it that, Jeremiah or Jerusalem. No. <laughs> it's not one of those. <laughs> yes, I guess. No, I, I think it, Jeremiah is writing, but uh, to Pastor Rod's point, he's he's personifying Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem lamenting what is going to befall the city. Uh, verse twenty-one: The shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. And that, that is that, that. There's no other word to describe that. It's if you've got clear. if you've got spiritual leaders who aren't seeking the Lord, you've got stupid spiritual leaders. Like, that's fair. That's fair. And that, I would say that of us too, man. That if you're in our church, pray that that we will always. Pastor and I stupid. Will always be seeking the Lord. And yes, that we will not be stupid. Um, yeah. The, the, verse 24, correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. Again, that similar to Habakkuk in wrath, remember mercy. So Jeremiah nine and 10, things are not going well for Israel. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a reminder to us, be praying, be praying for the Lord, uh, be, be growing in your knowledge and understanding of him, put your trust in the right places, pray for the leaders, pray that he would work revival. If that's his will, that it's, it's possible. Um, and, uh, and pray all of these things to the end that he would be glorified. Amen to that. First Timothy chapter three, then we get into the qualifications. Now I started here, Pastor Rod, I'll show you. You can let everybody know. I think my entire chapter three is highlighted, that's isn't it? That's not, that's not the way you're supposed to highlight, bro. <laughs> that is not appropriate highlighting. I just, I want to show that it, I like it all. So all of chapter three is highlighted. Um, like literally every sentence, dude, except maybe one sentence in chapter three is highlighted. Uh, yeah. It's, I did not highlight verse 14. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing <laughs> these things to you so that, and then everything else besides, besides that chapter three. No, but this is so, such an important chapter uh, for leadership in the church. It lays out the qualities of an overseer. Now here's an important concept. Overseer equals pastor equals elder. Those terms are used interchangeably in the new Testament, but they're all the same office. This is not somebody who is a separate office from uh, that of a pastor. Um, An elder is not a separate office from that as a pastor. The terms are used interchangeably and they all share the same responsibilities. And that's one of the reasons why we know that they're used interchangeably is that these are uh, the, the qualifications and responsibilities are similar across the board. For example, in first Peter chapter five, there he uses the term elder, but a lot of the concepts and responsibilities are, uh, are the same there. So, um, yeah, overseer, pastor, elder, all the same. So a lot of times you you may hear of like in the Episcopalian church, they've got bishops, they've got uh, regional supervisors that are, are a, an authority outside of the local church there. And, uh, and that structure is more 
anchored to church tradition than it is to biblical precedent. When we look at, at scripture, what we see is local elders that are shepherding, that are pastoring, that are overseeing a local body of believers there. Right. So remember, Timothy is in Ephesus, right. functioning pastorally in some measure. And so Paul's giving him instructions for how he's to arrange the leadership within the church. And so right. he identifies two offices that we're going to talk about. First one being the overseer slash pastor slash shepherd slash bishop. They're all the same, all the same, same office. At least that's our conviction. And we can prove that through scripture. And the second one's a deacon. Now, it's funny because we don't really use either one of these terms, deacon or elder, at least not very frequently. So let's talk about how our Compass Bible Church identifies these people. Yeah. So elders are pastors and that's that's our church polity here at Compass Bible Church is that is the uh, those that are elders are those that are our pastors. Pastors are elders, elders are pastors. So in our context, Pastor Rod and I are the elders of the church. It is a plurality of elders, meaning uh, it's not a, sometimes you'll hear of, of a model of a church governance that's called pastor as CEO. What that refers to or implies is the pastor makes the decision. The one pastor makes the decision. Everybody else goes along with it. That's not how we make decisions here at Compass Bible Church. Pastor Rod and I together, we meet every single Friday for our quote unquote elder meeting. And, uh, and we meet together and we discuss the things in the church and it's a back and forth and we say, okay, so what, let's, let's talk about this issue. Let's talk about what's going on here. What should we do here? What should we do here? And it's the two of us with our combined wisdom and years of pastoral experience, uh, both contributing to reaching a, a final agreement on that. And so this is a plurality of elders, which we believe is commended in the scripture as well. Um, so is it wrong if a church has lay elders? No, it's not wrong if a church has lay elders. One of the reasons why our church, our sending church at least, has always done uh, vocational elders, pastoral elders, is because, again, there's no difference in term here. So there is no separate category for lay elders. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the work of an elder, if we can bring that elder onto our team and free up his 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 plate, so to speak, to do full-time ministry, which is a lot of what's required by the work of an elder, right. then we want to do that. And so we want to bring him on and make him a pastor to be able to effectively carry out the duties of the church. The biggest bang for a buck. Right. Exactly. So that's elders. Deacons then uh, comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means servant. And uh, and so we uh, will use the term ministry director a lot of times for our deacons. Because they're kind of like lead servants. Lead servants. They're yeah. servants that are designated to be kind of uh, office holders right. who help facilitate service in a given part of the church. Right. So we have we have deacons functioning in our church, even though we haven't officially said, hey, you're Deacon Mark or you're Deacon Steve or you're Deacon so-and-so. We right. have ministry leads that are taking key positions that we've entrusted that to them so that they, and, and think about where deacons came from in Acts 7. They came from the idea of freeing up the, the uh, apostles to be able to, or Acts 7, Acts 6. Am I getting those backwards? Acts 6? I think you have that. Well, 6 and 7 is a, yeah, is a larger context. I'll take that. Fair. Thank you freeing up the, the pastors to do more of the, the work of the prayer and the, the preaching and the, 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 the shepherding ministry of the church. The right. deacons are there to free up the pastors to do that. We have people in our church already doing that. It's just we haven't officially said this person's a deacon, 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 so-and-so over here. So, um, But the, the offices are both there within our church polity. We just don't use those terms. Right. We typically will use the vernacular of ministry director right. for someone that we formally say this person oversees this particular ministry in right. a service and support role. So they're, they're there, and we're glad. Is there any particular reason why we don't say, hey, overseer, PJ Burner, uh, deacon, so-and-so? I think it's just what's culturally 
you know, common vernacular. Yeah, common vernacular. There are there are churches that use deacon around here, yeah. right? An and elder or an overseer. Elder. And sometimes those, and that's the thing too, is we have to ask. Okay, what do you mean by that? So I think that's a, a good question for us to ask. If you've got a friend who talks about, well, they've got elders at their church or they've got deacons at their church, I think it's important to say, well, okay, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? Right. Because sometimes these terms are used in application of roles that are are different than what we apply them to. Right. Yeah. So uh, at the at the end of this chapter here, verses fourteen and following, he, he uses a term to talk about the church. I'd like for you to explain this, Pastor PJ. He says, if I delay, uh, I write these things that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And here's the here's the here's this weird sentence that you could be helpful with, I'm sure. Um, the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Yeah. What do you think that means? I think that it gives us our task and primary mission, which is that we are to uphold the the veracity and truthfulness of the scriptures and to make sure that that is the, the main uh, message that that emanates from the church, uh, the pillar and buttress. Those are architectural terms that had to do with the support structures for a, a for a building. Right. And so we are the pillar and buttress yeah, as the church for the church. Yeah. We're not making the Bible true. We're not making it more true than it is. It's true because it's God's word. We're right? upholding it. Yeah, exactly. We are it. we are the ones that are upholding it and supporting it. That's why when churches drift from the preaching of the word of God, that's why when you walk into a church that's doing a, a theme sermon on Barbie instead of preaching the word of God, th- they're they're abdicating. They've abandoned their role as the pillar and buttress of the truth, and they're substituting the entertainment for the masses there. And that's everywhere you look these days. Um, and so we uh, follow in line with with what Paul writes to Timothy. There, the Bible is central. It's one of our distinctives. It always will be. That's why we practice expository preaching. We always will. Um, this is our job as the church. One other point to note here is that Paul is again assuming the the nature and the the existence of the church. We talked about this a few days ago a few podcasts ago we were talking about someone who says well the church is kind of a modern day invention Mm. traditional church is not necessary for the christian we see here paul says look if i delay i want you to know how people should behave in the household of god yeah the church is not just a it's not it's not a it's not a club it's not just a meet and greet with other people who have like minds no this is god's household we're brothers and sisters we're bound together by something greater than than mere interest we are now spiritual family and on top of that he says the church itself is something good for the world it's good for you it's good for the world because we're a pillar and buttress of the truth. And therefore, it's something more than a mere organization. It is an organization. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. And therefore, you should never look down in your local church. In fact, one thing I would say as a, as a primary application for you guys, and, and we could talk about a lot of applications here, but one thing I'd love to have you do, if you're ever planning on moving, planning on going somewhere else, find a, a different church, please, 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 please find a good church before you commit to moving to the place. hundred percent. They're not plentiful. They're not throw a rock in any corner. You're going to find a good church. You'll find a church. I'm sure. But whether or not you're finding a church that is functioning as the pillar and buttress of the truth, that is a far cry, far less available. And don't take that for granted. Find your church before you move. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that note, just the, the value and importance of the church, Acts 20, 28, uh, speaking of overseers, Paul is meeting with the elders, actually these elders, the elders of the <laughs> Ephesian right. church. That's right. In Acts 20, 28. And he says this, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which God or the Holy Spirit rather has made you which overseers, is, which is, which is God. God. Yeah. yeah. To care for the church of God. And here's the point, which he obtained with his own blood. Mm, precious. When we say, I don't need the church, Think about that. God just told the elders of the Ephesian church, hey, pay careful attention to the flock, implying a local flock, people that are involved in a local church there in Ephesus. You're going to stand before Jesus someday and you're going to say, I didn't need that. That which you obtained with your blood, I didn't, I didn't need that. I'm part of the church universal. 
I, I, if that's you, man, I pray that you're shuddering right now and terrified of that concept because it's, it's, yeah, I need to stop because you're going to start cussing. No, I just, <laughs> it, it raises my dander big time though. It raises your dandruff. Dander. No. Dander. Dander. <laughs> Pass around. All right. That's it. We'll see you guys tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yeah.